What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Stroud of W2O, and I am the host of the What to Know podcast show. Today, I have the luxury of sitting in a very cool building to do uh, my interview. It is AT&T Park, home of the San Francisco Giants. I am with Sue Peterson, who is the executive director of the Giants Community Fund. We'll talk more later in the interview on how those two things um, relate. But first of all, welcome, Sue, or I should say thank you for having me because you're the one hosting. Absolutely. Thank you for coming to our lovely ballpark. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, it's a gorgeous day. So apropos, even though I think the team is out of town this week and back in town next week, um, I want to start with you. So we did a little bit of our prep work on this, but you've been here doing uh, involved with the Giants Community Fund for 25 years. And I had to do a little bit of sleuthing and math to, to put that together. But um Tell us a little bit more about the Giants Community Fund and really, you know, there's going to be something amazing going on. I don't think that's going to be a secret to, to keep you in the same place for 25 years. And, you know, what gets you up every morning and coming to work and supporting this amazing um, uh, organization? Sure, sure. Well, I'll start with about the Giants Community Fund. So back in uh, 1991, Bob Lurie started the organization. A couple years later, in 1993, there was a new ownership group here, including Peter McGowan, Larry Baer, and many others who uh, were great business people and great philanthropists as well. So in 93, we uh, reestablished the Giants Community Fund, 93 to 94. And then in 1994, we took a look at it and said, all right, let's build out our board of directors. We've got 30 people from among the community. Uh, all kinds of different talents from business, from nonprofit, from media, lots of different areas uh, to assist us in the Giants Community Fund to make good decisions, to raise more money, to raise our profile. Uh, and so in 1994, we decided let's figure out what our focus can be. What is our face? And in 94, we created the Junior Giants program. And so the community fund that was once a smaller organization that was doing good work with a variety of grants, uh, became an organization where about two-thirds of the funding was focused on the Junior Giants program as a direct service program, and another one-third still remained in uh, grants and community initiatives so that we could kind of maintain that breadth of uh, service. Uh, and in 94, uh, it started with about 18 leagues, the Junior Giants program, and we now have 90 leagues that serve uh, 25,000 kids, and it's a completely free program, non-competitive, serves boys and girls. So that's the, the quick story on Junior Giants, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, and then in our areas of community initiatives, we've got health and education and violence prevention, and in each of those areas, we have major days at the ballpark. So you've heard of Until They're Secure Day. We, uh, that's 25 years now, this particular year. So we'll be celebrating that. Uh, Donate Life Day, which is a 20-year relationship to make sure that we educate the public about uh, organ donation and, and uh, the importance of that. And then in the other areas of uh, like Strikeout Violence Day, that is something where the, the Giants and the Giants Community Fund step forward, uh, bring our fans in and um, take a look at our communities. How can we make our communities safer? How can we uh, rehabilitate uh, folks who 
um, maybe have fallen off the path. Um, and so it is a group effort, and we find that it's important for us to be that, uh, that platform and that megaphone uh, for the public. Well, and it's a great, great opportunity and, 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 you know, doing great work. I think literally when grammatically you say that, you know, you're doing well, you're doing good, right? right this is right. one of those situations. Right. And the funny thing is, is and we joked about this up front where you said you've never done a podcast, but you've done a number of uh, radio interviews. I've seen a few uh, TV interviews. Um, but you said usually you like to have the other people up front. And so you ducked the question a little bit yes. on what keeps you here. And I think right. that's the selfless nature of who you are. You're more inclined to talk about all the good work the organization is doing. But clearly you've been in a leadership role. You're helping to guide. But I would love to know, like, what does – these are all great things, but there are lots of um, – uh, nonprofits that you could work for, or other sports teams in the Bay Area. What keeps you, you know, ticking here? In spite, or uh, in addition to the uh, World Series that you guys sure, have won sure. recently. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, it, it's always easier to talk about other people and other things. I would agree. So, yeah, it's always a little uncomfortable talking about yourself. Um, but I am wonderfully proud and excited to be here every day, and it is strange that it's 25 years it really is it, it is a time is a strange phenomenon and you look at I remember the day I was hired here you know to do work um, in the community so so we'll peel it back a little bit when um, when I was growing up I did want to do community work when I was I went to Cal and I was looking at different classes looking at city planning and I was looking at Peace Corps and I was looking at a lot of different types of things I was looking at teaching and uh, my first job out of Cal was going to the San Francisco Education Fund. And so working in nonprofit and education, it blended my interests. And um, I loved it there. I loved the work I did with the public schools. And a few years after being there, four or so years after being there, and understanding what a nonprofit was, what it was like to work with a board of directors, um, how, how do you uh, retain donors, uh, how do you run an event effectively? How do you talk about programs? All of that I learned in those first four years there. Um, and then someone said, you know, the Giants are expanding, 1993. New ownership group, they're looking to, to gain more uh, staff uh, in, the, in the community area. Why don't you just take a look there? So I did. I interviewed. And, and because I wasn't searching for a new job, I was completely relaxed. <laughs> I had a great interview. I found something that I didn't know I was really looking for. Um, and at that time, sports philanthropy was still kind of on the edge of becoming something that was um, more developed. And so I jumped in right on, um, right at that point, at the cusp. And it was very exciting. And so that was 1993. Um, and that was blending two things I loved. Played sports my whole life, played softball, you know, basketball in the backyard, through the football in the street, all of those things I think that a lot of kids do growing up. I played softball and volleyball competitively and found a lot of value in that personally. And when I blend that with, with what I felt was important in my life, how much better could it be than to work for a professional baseball team? And so the Giants became my home after that. Well, it's great. And I know sometimes I speak to uh college kids or high school kids and one of the things they ask is you know what are two or three things that we should know about and one of the things that I do mention to them is when you can really be passionate about what you do in your job then it is a win-win right because we spend so much time at our jobs 
And if you don't love it or you don't love what you're doing and how nice is it that you're able to blend the love of sports with the love of community and, and nonprofit. Um, we will touch on the softball thing in a minute. That was a little foreshadowing there. Uh, first, I do want to ask about something, and this was quite impressive. Um, a year or two back, the Giants Community Fund received the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Sports Award, which is a very prestigious award for anyone listening in. I think you already know that. Talk a little bit about what that experience was like, and that must have really felt like a nice validation of all the amazing things that you've been chipping away at for yeah. many years. Yeah, it did very much. So the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is the largest public health philanthropy in the country. Um, and, and when it comes to a group like that looking at a professional sports foundation, you may immediately not see a direct connection. Um, but the, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is very innovative in the awards that they give and in the areas that they study where um, you can uh, affect the community, the public, children, families. Um, and so they took on a sports award because they saw the role that sports can play in influencing um, all of that, the fans, the kids, um, businesses that work with sports um, teams. It became something that to them was um, a whole new area. And for, for us to apply to that, because health is such an important uh, part of the Junior Giants program and our larger programs. Um, uh, it was a, a very proud day for us to have received that. Um, we realized that you don't have to be a health professional to be able to influence the community when it comes to health. It can be something that we put together for our Junior Giants kids. So in serving 25,000 kids, uh, in a program that's based in baseball, you can see the automatic connection. Okay, it's baseball. That's you know automatically a uh, uh, exercise, right? So that's fine. But what is it beyond that? So in the Junior Giants program, we stress that it's important to have good um, nutrition, to drink enough water, to brush your teeth, to wear a seat belt, to take care of your brothers and sisters, to um, to uh, you know protect. Uh, people out on the, uh, kids out on the, um, on the schoolyard from getting hurt. There are a lot of lessons beyond, um, you know, how to turn two on the field. So it's well, important. Well, and I want to jump in because one of the things that I think people should know um, as we're talking about this great organization and the Junior Giants program is that you do serve a lot of underserved communities, a lot of communities where they're single parents or maybe kids being raised by siblings. And so what might be obvious, or you would think would be obvious, they're not necessarily getting that. They're sort of struggling to survive. And so you know, having this thing that everyone, I think, universally sees as fun, this baseball program is great, but being able to teach some of these life lessons that they may or may not be getting other places is critical. And so you're doing an amazing job there. I do want to pivot a little bit to what we just joked about, and that is the softball, because I think you do have a number of uh, girls that play in the league, and I can say girls because these are truly children, not um, women. But uh, one of the things I think you realized is, is that you probably weren't getting as many girls as you would like participating in this. And so in doing so this year, we have some news that you guys are rolling out, which is there's yeah. a softball component. Yeah. So let's softball, talk about that. Sure. So a couple of years ago, our Junior Giants Committee, and you know, and for years, we always talk about softball, right? We're a baseball program, and it's a co-ed free 
as we talked about, non-competitive program for 90 underserved communities. And so for us to have that role in reaching out to families in that way, um, girls and boys, is very important. But um, there are a lot of girls that are out there that might not be interested in baseball. And while our current Junior Giants program serves um, 33% girls, which is much higher than any other baseball youth league, um, we still feel like there is room for growth in attracting um, and retaining uh, the interest of girls. And so for softball, which is a growing sport, when we add that to um, leagues, and we're rolling out 15 leagues this year to uh, try that out, so to have the equipment and to have the training and uh, to, uh, to, to get more information from various resources that we've pulled in to make sure that softball is um, well supported by us, that we have all the knowledge, um, not that we have it ourselves, but that we bring it in and help them. That's important for us. I think there's a, um, for some girls, they can go um, longer as far as more years they can play throughout high school, and some of them may be able to play in college. There is, um, you know, the, the way it is, less of a chance for girls to go further in baseball, whether that's college and obviously professional. It is, it is not something that uh, girls are able to advance in as far um, and for us to be able to encourage that and keep girls in sports where that is shown to advance um, their health, their education, their confidence, so many other positive things come about when you're involved in sports. Um, I believe that we learned that 94% of women who are successful business people, women in business, um, played sports when they were younger. And um, most of them attribute some of their qualities of, of, of confidence and um, uh, of so, many other, so many other wonderful traits that you learn from sports that is, comes directly from their background in, in uh, softball or volleyball or whatever sport they played. Yeah, no, it is amazing. And uh, my our youngest, who's uh, going to be 11 soon, just started playing volleyball last year. And we're seeing that very same phenomena happen. And I think it really, whether you stay with it long term or even you get to experience for a couple of years, it's really such a nice, especially a team sport, ability to interact with people and grow your confidence and, you know, refine your, your skill sets. I do want to touch base on one thing, which is a little bit tricky, and that is that... Um, the Giants Community Fund does benefit from being associated with the San Francisco Giants, who, as we alluded to earlier, have won a couple of World Series over the last few years and are an iconic, you know, one of those iconic franchises that I think a lot of people have heard of. Um, what's a little tricky is the balancing act that you have to walk is in the fact that the Community Fund is not a private foundation that's automatically funded by the Giants. In fact, you guys, while you have offices here and you do the 50-50 raffle, and I know that Larry Bear and, and the whole organization is really generous with their time and supporting, you don't get any monetary support from them. And so that does make it a little harder, I think, sometimes because people just assume like, oh, you've got all the money in the world and you're fine. It's like, no, actually, we don't. We have to go and scrap just like every other nonprofit does. So talk a little bit about what that balancing act sure, looks like. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I can, I can clarify a little bit. So that the Giants organization does provide 
um, major support in terms of resources. And so when we talk about the community fund being supported by every department here in a million ways from uh, graphics to uh, to video to legal work to accounting work there are so many and you know all the way up to to Larry of course that supports us wholeheartedly um, personally and professionally um, you know we're blessed to be here under this umbrella um, there are um, some monetary resources that that come our way in the form of you know let's say people buy their happy birthday scoreboard so there's a per portion of the scoreboard proceeds or we've got wonderful lines to sponsors throughout um, so you see all these signs um, out on the concourse and otherwise there's some great sponsors and many of them through the Giants have a portion of their um, sponsorship they might want to sponsor a health program of the, the Giants Community Fund or be the presenting sponsor of the Junior Giants program. So there are some proceeds that flow to us, but when we talk about what happens, is there a portion automatically that comes from ticket sales or from retail or from profits? There's no automatic um, percentage. So it's working with this company and this wonderful organization every year to see where it makes sense for us to partner with, uh, with sponsors. Are there any new campaigns that we can partner with the Giants on? For instance, Giants are, are fantastic in providing uh, drop-ins in radio and TV and, and uh, wholehearted support through the team and alumni for our stretch drive. So we've got a main fundraiser during the year called the Junior Giants Stretch Drive. It really is like any other nonprofit annual campaign. It's reaching out and saying, please support us, and here's what we're all about. And that is an all-in venture. So it's sponsors, vendors. Um, we speak to the team. Larry and uh, Bruce Bochy and, and Willie McCovey speak to the team about how important it is to support kids who need a boost, these communities that need a boost. And uh, we can all do something, even when sometimes you feel like just that, that one person in middle of an ocean. Um, it, this company, this organization is about teamwork, and so you realize how powerful that is when we bind together. So subtle plug, donate during the stretch drive. Yes. And I will say, having benefited from, um, you guys were kind enough to invite us to the play ball lunch, which was uh, probably three or four weeks mm -hmm. ago. And you had a, almost the entire team there. You had Bruce Bochy, you had Willie McCovey, you had Dusty Baker, who you had just announced mm -hmm. as part of the front office. Um, you had... Um, why am I blanking on his name? Barry Bunts, one of your oh, most Bonds famous sluggers. Yes, I got to meet him and you know looked fabulous. So I think that is nice to be able to have that, and it's great to see that support by the team. Right. You know, because a lot of them have their own individual causes that they can contribute. So I was quite impressed with that, and clearly it's a very synergistic organization. But but open up those uh, uh, so those yeah, wallets. That's right. And so at the play ball lunch where. Um, we, you know, it's a it's a luncheon. Like everybody does a luncheon or a dinner, we have to have a luncheon. We have to have a uh, we do a uh, Willie McCovey Golf Classic to raise money. We do a little Napa Golf tournament. We uh, we do the fifty fifty raffle, which you mentioned earlier. So anybody in this ballpark who wants to give you know five bucks, ten bucks, you know, they could win half the pot here at the ballpark, and um, that's a major fundraiser for us. So trying to think creatively about how to involve our fans um, 
inside the ballpark, and then the larger community. That's I think that's our next step to figure out how do we communicate with the larger community who may not be Giants fans, may not be sports fans, to understand that we take pride in the community work that we do. We are a public charity, and we uh, will use their money responsibly um, to represent them and their interests in making sure that this community, and when I say this community, it's Northern and Central California, um, that we serve the people who need the most help. Well, that's, again, kudos for everything that you guys are doing. It's amazing. Um, and so excited to be able to sit here and chat about this today. Now, I do want to shift gears a little bit to a few of the questions that are a little more about you. And they're fun questions that I ask everybody that uh, I interview. Um, and, and amazingly, these are sometimes the hardest ones to talk about, I guess, probably because they're about you know the individual. Um, the first I'd like to ask is, what's one thing about you that people don't know that you would be willing to share? You know, uh, I would say, a lo- as I was growing up, I was always the good girl in class, right? So I had to make sure everything was, I was kind of motherly, going through high school, going through everything. I was the one that kept everybody, I was, you know, slightly serious and making sure everything was um, where it should be. But I absolutely love silly comedies. So when you talk about, <laughs> I love humor. I have to. I, I, if I'm ever, if I ever want to watch a movie, I always say, oh, "Can we watch something funny, please?" So I absolutely love Mel Brooks movies. My I, high anxiety is my absolute favorite in the world. Close tie with Young Frankenstein. And so I think if a lot of people looked at me and you say Young Frankenstein, I don't know if they'd say that automatically, but. I love love things like that anyway. yeah I, I would not have pegged you for those no, those actually I know. were two fantastic movies I Are remember the best? young yeah. Frankenstein well Frankenstein yeah. yes um, and then I forgot about hang, high anxiety which I think is a little bit of a um, in a spoof on the earth of uh, the uh, Hitchcock it, movies, it is right? on vertigo and on the birds and everything it's it's the best Madeline Kahn is incredible in that movie and of course it's it's San Francisco in the Bay Area anyway it's the best so Love maybe it. i'll have to start working you on favorite movies yeah no yeah. i do oh, now yeah. that you're saying that favorite movie? and i do have a fond memory of actually watching young frankenstein with my dad and so that makes me smile <laughs> because i remember you know those those moments fondly um the second one when i i'd like to just help people build their libraries right or help keep themselves smart so any books that you've read or listened to because audiobooks are now such a big thing over the last couple of years that you might like to share with those folks listening in Um, I was, I've been uh, involved with a variety of conferences and there was actually a book list that went around last year and, and two or three of the people said, instead of naming a book, they said, anything wouldn't, anything. (laughs) And so I, I actually, um, read the one that's called Wooden and then there's a, there's kind of a longer title associated with that for his, um. This being John Wooden? Yes, yes. Longer title with, you know, on and off, um the court but um his philosophy about baseball baseball uh basketball and life is very much what we teach in the junior giants program and aligns aligns with my life i have to say very well when you talk about what what is it that we're all about at at its very base are we about beating an opponent are we about winning ultimately he says if if you try your best because that's what you're in control of, you aren't in control of how well somebody else is trained or prepared or what their physical ability is, if you're talking basketball. 
but you are completely in control about the way you prepare. And so um, if you've done your best at a game, at a business deal, at a presentation, whatever you're doing, if you've done your best, you are never failing, ever. Even if the score doesn't match up to what somebody else thinks it should be, or even if somebody else says otherwise, if you feel in your heart that you've prepared and done your best, that's um, that lesson that you should always keep with you. Don't let other people say what winning or what success is. Success is in your heart if you've tried your best. Well, that's a great suggestion. And for those listening in, um, John Wooden, if you don't know him, is one of the first, I would say, um, dynasty builders with UCLA basketball. They had a ridiculous winning streak. I think it was three or four, or ten, 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 yeah, yeah, ten yeah. seasons. And uh, just to bring it close to home, so Bill Walton played on some of his teams. Yes, yeah. Bill Walton played for a bunch of people, helped my uh, Celtics win in 1986. <laughs> yes, but yep. more importantly, yes. his son Luke Walton was yes. the assistant coach and actually took over for Steve Kerr for our Warriors yes, last absolutely. year on their run to beating the Cavaliers in the playoffs and the uh, championship. So Beautiful. there we go. Full circle. John go. Wooden all the way He's to here too. Uh, That's right. <laughs> Bay Area sports. All right. Last question. Uh, and, and hopefully this is a fun one. Um, imagine you're on a deserted island. You can only take one album with you. Don't worry about how it works. But which album would it be and why would you choose it? Well, um, being a child of the 70s, um, I, it, and you know, even if you listen to the radio now, I have to say it's, it's Eagles all the way because <laughs> favorite songs, okay, so the album could be Hotel California, but um, because I love the song Desperado, I believe that those two and others are on their um, Hell Freezes Over concert album. And so maybe it would be that one. So from from that concert, um, been listening to them for forty years. Anytime it's on the radio, you cannot help but sing Hotel California or Desperado. Either one. No, There's some beautiful songs. So many. Great I don't songs. get sick of it. Yeah. So so that's what I would take. No, that's that's a good one. And I think I had someone recently mentioned the Eagles after 50 interviews, you know, to get them twice is I'm surprised that they haven't come up earlier. But anyway, um, this has been a lot of fun. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, uh, host of the What's No podcast show. I've been here live with Sue Peterson, the executive director for the Giants Community Fund at AT AT&T Park. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Sue. My pleasure. Thank you. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.